0: morning. How are we all? Great to have you here this morning, especially those of you that are here with us for the first time. We don't think of you as visitors, we actually consider you our guests. And uh, however it is that caused you to be here this morning, we're glad you're here. And we we pray for you uh, sincerely that uh, you will leave here closer to God than when you arrived. Even if you don't even know He's real, that something uh, is going to go on under the hood for you You're joining us in the fourth week of a four-week series. And uh, that might seem like a little bit uh, hard to take as if somehow, well, you know, I missed out on the first three. I'll give you a little recap. The good news is we do have uh, all of our messages available on our podcast. And we'll talk about that in a a second. But this four-week series we've been teaching, and we're gonna land the fourth instalment today, is called Making Change. And it's around money and stuff. And it may come as a surprise to some people that God has a lot to say about money and stuff, that Jesus, while he walked the earth, had a lot to say about money and stuff. And each one of us, our perspectives and our approach to money and stuff is informed by a certain set of values. And and your values may be different from my values, but the problem is when we, take our cues regarding money and stuff from things other than God's Word and God's principles, there's a fair chance that we won't end up with regards to money and stuff where God would actually want us to be and live in the lane that He would want us to run. And so we're taking just four weeks this year to talk around money and stuff. And I actually think we've boiled down the four big areas. I mean, as much as God had a lot to say about money and stuff, and as much as there is a lot you can say about money and stuff, I think we've distilled the four big areas, the four big rocks. In week one, we talked about less is more. We live in a highly consumeristic culture where where the prevailing message is more is more. Earn more so you can spend more and, and just keep on going, this endless treadmill of consumption. And, and, and we challenge that from God's word that, that probably that's not his best and that's not ultimately God's goal, that we're not put here on this earth for such a time as this to merely consume, consume, consume and the person with the most stuff and the best stuff wins. I don't think that's the lesson that God had. And I've been so encouraged, just some of the practical next steps that some of you have been taking, even from a, such a simple message as that. I've seen people put up on their social media, how they've gone home and, and, and decluttered their, their, their closet, uh, uh, pared back, on um, their shoe collection and uh, makeup collection. And by the way, it's not just the girls that uh, did this or needed to do this either, Um, but taking practical next steps and actually resetting that not, not only clearing out, but cutting back that we probably don't need as much stuff as we've been told that we need. Week two, we talked about stress is bad, very much a knock on from week one, because if we get caught up in this mindset of endless consumption, Some people think that that spending more than you earn is just normal. Everyone does it. Max said your credit card, no problem. Just get another credit card to pay off the first credit card and then just keep going with that. Well, the problem with with overextending ourselves financially is it causes stress. It causes emotional stress. It causes uh, mental stress and some of you may have even experienced this it can cause marital stress relational stress and so it's very very important for us to live within our means stress is bad last week we talked about giving is good and 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 the thing with these three messages is they're all very countercultural compared to the prevailing message that we hear in our western culture that we find ourselves in here in australia and today's message is also countercultural. I'm going to teach and land this four-week series, making change around the topic that tomorrow matters. You may have noticed that we live in a culture of now. It's very evident uh, with electronic communication. I don't know if you're like me in this, but but when I send a message, a text message, a Facebook message to somebody that I know whilst I'm still looking at that screen, before I put it down, I expect to see bubbles <laughs> before I've even had the chance to put that down. And no bubbles means no love, means unblock, means defriend, means unfollow, very obvious. But another one that, that uh, you and I are finding ourselves immersed in is what's become known as the on-demand economy. That, that increasingly we're living in and, and serving and being swept up in an on-demand economy. Take food, for example. Takeaway is now being replaced by delivery. And yeah, I know pizza stores have been doing delivery for 20, 30 years. But the, but the thing is, that's the only option we had if we were too lazy to cook or too lazy to drive to the takeout restaurant and take out. Uh, you, you only had the choice of the pizza menus on your fridge. Which pizza store shall we get delivered to today? Now, because of things like Uber Eats and Deliveroo, you could go on an app and actually uh, order from a range, if not the majority of restaurants in your area um, and have it dropped neatly on your doorstep, the on-demand economy. Amazon have figured this out. A, couple, a few years ago, it started in the US. It's now expanding uh, gradually, globally. A service called Amazon Prime. Now, Amazon Prime, for a, for a, a monthly fee, you pay to Amazon. You, you uh, among other things, it entitles you to have your goods and services delivered for free within two days. This is, again, Uh, primarily at this point in the US, so anywhere in the continental US, order, if you're an Amazon Prime member, stuff delivered within two days at no charge. It's pretty cool. Well, they've souped that up. Amazon Prime went on to start promising in certain areas that you could get your delivery at no charge if you're an Amazon Prime member within one day. But then they realised they could soup it up a little bit more. And recently, spun out from Amazon Prime a service called Amazon Prime Now, where in certain cities around the US, you can order a range of products. By the way, Amazon's catalog is over 50 million items to choose from. Never a dull moment. Um, You can have, if you're an Amazon Prime Now subscriber, you can have your goods shipped to you within two hours. And in certain capital cities, they can, when you click pay, they, they've been known to show up at your office or home uh, in just over 30 minutes. It's a different world. Netflix. Mm. How I love thee so. Netflix. Netflix and chill is being replaced by Netflix and binge. You know, Netflix actually, because it's digital, they actually can track... When a new series drop, it drops, if the whole series drops at the same time, let's say it drops at midnight, they can actually track how many people watch every single episode nonstop right through to the end. Let's say there's 13 episodes and, and I'm not gonna tell you the percentage, it will terrify you. The, number, the, the percentage of people that watch from the, from the very beginning, from the, from the minute that the show drops, right through back to back. Um, there are socks that you can buy that have sleep sensors built into them So that if you fall asleep whilst you're binge watching, it will auto pause your Netflix on your TV. (laughs) And you're wondering if I have a pair, aren't you? I may be wearing them now. Netflix and binge has become such a thing that 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 Netflix about a month ago, when you if you're binging back to back episodes, back to back to back, they've now just taken the credits out because because every time you have to endure the credits, that's 20 seconds of your life, you'll never get back. <laughs> In the culture of now, it's not necessarily a new thing, but it is definitely ramping up. Some of you are old enough to remember one of Robin Williams' seminal movies, Goodwill Hunting, which uh, I think almost the biggest idea from that or one of the biggest ideas was this idea of carpe diem, seize the day. And, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. In fact, I could put a pretty strong biblical um, argument to you that carpe diem is rooted in the Bible, that that we're not meant to worry about tomorrow. We're not meant to be anxious about tomorrow. We're not meant to get stressed out about tomorrow. We're meant to trust that God has got it and don't waste your time and your emotional energy worrying about tomorrow. Paul wrote, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And that's great, but it's not the whole story. Whilst we shouldn't worry about tomorrow, I could put a pretty strong biblical uh, uh, position together, and I'm gonna do that this morning, that we can plan for tomorrow. We can prepare for tomorrow. We can do some things, and we can do some things in the area of our finances for tomorrow. MLC, the, the, the financial Australian Financial Company, MLC, last year, 2016, uh, ran a study and uh, they discovered that one in every two working Australians, I need you to listen to this, one in every two working Australians lives payday to payday. In very practical terms, what that means, one, one example of what that means is that 50% of working Australians, if they were to lose their job tomorrow, wouldn't be able to m- make rent or pay their mortgage when the next payment's due. Now I'm aware that, that, that saying that might make some of you uncomfortable because that's your story right now and i'm i'm aware of that i know many of your stories and and i'm aware that some of you are single parents and and just to get through to the next payday is a victory for you i i think that's i think you're a hero many of you for that and that being your situation that that your prayers are god in this season of my life i i can you just help me get through to the next payday some of you have migrated from overseas and and are working in jobs that 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 you're overqualified for in, in, as you're setting up your new life and your new foundation in, in Australia. And for you, earning less, getting to the next payday is a win. And again, I think you're a hero. So this, for some of you, this talking what I'm gonna talk about today, it might be a not yet message, but I still wanna plant it in your mind and in your heart that this is a one day message and that maybe God might fast forward that one day. But when it comes to finances, if we understand that tomorrow matters, it will change how we handle money today. Pop open, if you've got the Elevate app, our Elevate app, you can pop open the Bible, tap the Bible, looks like an iPhone and a coffee cup, two of God's greatest inventions. Um, And I'm gonna read a few things from Solomon. Now, I mentioned when we launched this series that probably the two people in the Bible that had the most to say about money and stuff were Jesus and Solomon. And and I'm gonna riff on Solomon quite a bit this morning. When you pop open the Bible app, it's gonna take you to one of the many proverbs that Solomon wrote. Let me give you one for free before we get to that one. The one for free, Solomon wrote, the wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they get. The wise people know that tomorrow matters. And elsewhere, the wisdom of Solomon, he said, go to the ant. Now, this is kind of, like, like look at the ant, like consider how the ant does life. Go to the ant, observe the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Not a nice thing to say. "'Consider its ways and be wise. "'It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, "'yet it stores its provisions in summer "'and gathers its food at harvest.'" Solomon's making the point in both of these uh, Proverbs that wisdom, people who were wise, ants <laughs> who are wise, understand that when it comes to our finances, tomorrow matters. And so let me tee off with with. My best take on what the Bible would say, what the pattern, what our approach should be when it comes to handling finances, I'm gonna boil it down into one very tweetable, (laughs) very Facebookable, more importantly, very memorable line, and it's simply this. Give, invest, live off the rest. And I, by the way, had a little mental arm wrestle with myself about whether I should write up the biblical approach or our approach. And I wrote our approach just so you know that this is how Louis and I do finances. And by the way, the order matters. This is not just three random bullet points. When we get paid, we give. It's the first thing we do. We then invest and we then live off the rest. A lot of people do it in the opposite and maybe don't even get to the give part because we've been too busy living off the rest. But when you understand that tomorrow matters, it changes how you handle money today. I've already taught on giving, so I'm not gonna go back to that. The first two weeks of this series, essentially I was talking about living off the rest, so I'm not gonna teach on that. I wanna teach specifically and exclusively this morning around investing. And by the way, when we had our team members briefing this morning, I asked them, have any of you ever in a church setting heard any teaching or message around financial investing? The answer was none. And, and, and I guess I wasn't surprised, but, I, but I'm a little terrified by that. I'm gonna come back to that in a moment and tell you why. But here's the deal. There's two ways you can make money. One is you schlep to work, you get paid and you make money. And we all know that, doesn't take much explanation. The second way is you can get your money making money. We can put our money to work and putting our money to work is essentially what's known as investing. Money making money. And God has a lot to say about investing. The thing about, I don't know, maybe I'm not gonna start throwing shade on on other churches, but the fact that that people hadn't heard a message on investing. I wonder if maybe some people think it's because it's kind of like an off-limits subject that money's evil, which it isn't. People can be evil and put money towards evil things. Money's just, it's neutral maybe some people think wealth is a dirty word and it's not a Bible concept. Well, it's not a dirty word and it is a Bible concept. However, God's goal isn't simply for us to get rich. It's actually a much higher goal than that because quite a lot of knuckleheads can get rich. God's got a higher vision for us in terms of tomorrow mattering and that's that we get better at being rich. Not getting rich, a higher vision, being rich. In fact, Jesus told a story, it's one of his most famous stories about a Good Samaritan, and just to give you the, the skinny version of that, a guy gets beaten up, left for dead on the street, two guys pass him by, done help, a third guy passing him by, did help. He's now known in our language, uh, even if you're not a church person as the Good Samaritan, because he stopped to help this guy. But here's one of the things that you have to understand about the story, is he picked this guy up, kind of gave him a little bit of medication, and he took him, because this guy, this Good Samaritan was on his way to do some business elsewhere, but he he took the time, he picked this guy up, he, he cleaned him up a bit and he took him to, to, a, to a hotel. And he said, when he checked this guy to the hotel, I need you to look after this guy for a night, whatever it costs, put it on my tab and tomorrow I'll come back and I'll fix it up. I'll, I'll, I'll pay for whatever his expenses have been. The, the thing about the Good Samaritan is, in the, one, the one that we highlight is that of the three passers by, he was the only one willing to help. And by the way, that makes him a standout because the other two knuckleheads just left the guy on the side of the road, unwilling. So the Good Samaritan was willing, but here's the thing. When he took him to the hotel, he demonstrated that he wasn't just willing to look after him, but he was also able to look after him because he had some financial resources. Wealth is a good thing when we use it to do good things. And I wonder if last week when we talked about giving is good, I wonder if that ripped your undies for some of you. Those listening on the podcast overseas, undies is short for underpants. You can also insert jocks, jockey shorts, uh, other regional colloquialisms for underwear. I wonder if it ripped your undies because here's the thing, I know a lot of people who are following Jesus who are willing to be extravagantly generous and yet at this point in their life, aren't yet able. And so when you, when you hear talk and teaching about giving, you don't need any more convincing of your willingness to be generous, but, 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 but the thing that rips your shorts is a limited ability. So think about this. What if it was, some of the people in this auditorium this morning that got a revelation that wealth is a good thing when it's used to do good things, that, that, that God's got a higher goal than getting rich and his goal is for us to know how it is to be rich, that we would be raising up people in our church, and I mean now and I also mean the next generation, who have a revelation that, that wealth is a good thing when it's used to do good things and that they would grow up and they would be entrepreneurial and they would apply their faith to being people who God uses to incredibly, embarrassingly invest into God's kingdom because they're both willing and able. So here's the thing, I wanna talk about investing because one of the ways that you will and I will be able to accumulate wealth and to be rich is to know how it is that we can gain wealth. Before I start, I'm probably legally bound, (laughs) and even if I'm not, I'll say it anyway, to let you know, I am not a financial advisor. I have no, well, I have an economics degree, but that's another story. Uh, So I'm not gonna give you financial advice. What I will do is give you biblical advice that just so happens to be around the subject of investing, okay? Starting with this. And Solomon's our main man. Don't invest in things you don't understand. Solomon made it real plain. It takes wisdom to build a house and understanding to set it on a firm foundation. It takes knowledge to furnish its rooms with fine furniture and beautiful draperies. It takes wisdom, it takes understanding. Don't invest in things you don't understand. How many of you have heard of a guy named Warren Buffett? Anyone heard of Warren Buffett? Yeah, okay, a few of you, I get it. Well, maybe the reason you've heard of him is because he's the fourth richest guy in the world. Until just recently, he was the second richest guy in America. He just got leapfrogged by Jeff Bezos. But number three is still not bad. He's got a net personal net worth of 73.6 billion US dollars. Probably a bit more than you and I have in our bank accounts. He's in his 70s. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Berkshire Hathaway. It's a company that doesn't make anything, sell anything, serve, provide any legitimate services. It's a company that invests in other companies. Berkshire Hathaway's the name of the company. And he's growing that company to where his personal worth, his personal worth, is US 70, let's just round it up to 75 million. By the way, a little sidebar, Warren Buffett still lives in the same three by two in Omaha, Nebraska, go Cornhuskers, that he moved into with his wife when he got married in his 20s because he also understands that less is more. And he's also joined the Giving Pledge along with Bill Gates and many of the world's wealthiest people people, to give away the majority of their finances before they die. It's an incredible thing that's happening in there. I haven't got time to go into that. But one of his principles for investing, and you could say that he knows what he's doing, having only made his money by investing, is he only invests in companies he understands. And so before he invests in a company, he and his team will go and meet with the CEO and the top level executives and grill them under the table. He'll meet with the board and grill them under the table. Before he puts any of his company's money into that company, he wants to understand what it is and how they do it and he doesn't invest in things he doesn't understand. He's only just started investing in some Silicon Valley tech companies in the last couple of years because it's only been in the last couple of years that he's got a level of understanding of what it is they actually do to have the confidence to invest in. Louie and I take this principle. We're not richy rich investors, but we do invest and we only invest in things we understand. We don't invest in direct shares because we don't understand them. We don't invest directly in bonds. Undies, yes, Uh, bonds in in the financial market, no. Uh, we don't invest in uh, foreign currency trading, which is a thing, because we don't understand it. And if we wanted to start investing in shares or start investing in bonds or started uh, trading foreign currencies, we would bone up on that topic long before we put one cent over the line into that. We would, we, would, we would study, we would research, we would get across the table with people who are experts in the industry long before. Because if you invest in things you don't understand, chances are you're not investing, you're speculating. And there's a difference, I'm gonna come back to that. Another biblical principle, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, I know your granddad said it and you might not know it, but Solomon said it as well. Divide your investments among many places for you don't know what risks might lie ahead. In investment world, it's called diversification. I'm not giving you advice. I'm just telling you what Solomon had to say and hopefully God's wisdom through that. Another principle, don't try to get rich quick. Yeah, yeah, your granddad said it. If it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be True. Well, Paul wrote something to a young guy named Timothy, and actually he was writing it to Timothy, who was leading a local church at the time, not so much to teach Timothy about this principle, but to teach Timothy what to teach the people. Because the churches that Paul set up when he was uh, launching churches, they were typically launched in strategic cities around the known world, typically in port cities, which was, which was how he was able to get in and out of those places to start these churches. And as you probably know, if you've got a little bit of understanding of history, many of the port cities became incredibly wealthy places of commerce. And, and therefore many of the people in those port cities became very wealthy. And some of those very wealthy people in those very wealthy port cities started following Jesus and connecting into a local church, but didn't have any teaching, any understanding of how to handle their wealth in, in, in the way that God would have them handle wealth. And so Paul wrote to Timothy to give him some instruction that they could pass on, that Timothy could pass on to these wealthy people that Timothy all of a sudden had in the church that he was leading. And here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. Those, and, and, and he had a lot more to say than this, but under this idea of not trying to get rich quick, don't. Those who want to get rich fall into, the, into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now, full disclosure. This instruction that Paul gave to Timothy to give to the wealthy people in his church doesn't actually warn against getting rich quick. He doesn't say those who wanna get rich quick. But the reason this instruction applies very specifically to this idea of wanting us to get rich quick is that Paul's calling out the motivation that some people have for trying to get rich quick. And the motivation I said it earlier: is the difference of wanting to get rich versus wanting to be rich. And if your motivation is to get rich, it can cause just that. Just having that as your underlying motivation, that in and of itself, the danger is it can cause you to be greedy. It can cause us to be a little uh, subjective in our decision making. Ah, oh, yeah. I was at the photocopier this morning, love, and this guy, he works in three cubicles up. He came to me and he said that his brother-in-law is starting this company and he reckons it's gonna go off, mate. So, so I reckon we should take every cent we get and invest into that because, because this guy told me at the photocopier, it's gonna be a good investment. We're gonna retire early, get a bigger pergola and a fully sticker car, mate. Solomon said wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. There's an indifference between investing and speculating. Investing is like a marathon. It's something you do wise decision after wise decision after wise decision. It doesn't come with guarantees in in many areas, but, but a slow, consistent, slow drip approach is what investing looks like versus speculating, which is more the first cousin of gambling than it is the first cousin of investing, if you understand that. And so the best I can do as we wind up this series, Making Change this morning, is to, is to encourage you in the strongest terms I can to take your approach from our best understanding of the biblical approach to finances, to be give, invest, and then live off the rest. And if, as I said earlier, if you're in a season of life where it's not practical yet to invest, make that a goal. Put that in your field of vision and And as and when your season shifts to a place where you can start investing, don't skip that. Don't skip that because if you skip that, you will always be a person that the only way you make money is you making money and you miss the opportunity of having your money make money. Do you know that investors are making money while they sleep? (laughs) Because they're not working for that money. Their money is out there hustling for that money. It's pretty cool. Hey, listen, before I hand over to Renati, I wanna give an opportunity for some of you that maybe have never made a decision to follow Jesus. I wanna give you that opportunity this morning. And this, I don't know if this feels like a rubberneck pivot, like I'm talking about investing and now I'm gonna ask you to make the decision to follow Jesus. But here's the thing, this is what makes teaching about investing in a church setting very, very different because our goal isn't getting rich, our goal is being rich. Our goal is seeing God's kingdom Advanced. The reason I, I say to you as first-time guests that we love that you're here is we work hard to make sure that we create an environment that you come into that, that's gonna be a place that you can be comfortable, that you can, that you can be welcomed, that you can drink nice coffee, that you can have air conditioning that actually works. That's because people invest financially in creating an environment, and there's so much more to it than that. But at its core is that we as Elevate Church are desperately committed to seeing more and more people following Jesus in our city and beyond. And if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, then we don't like to leave here without giving you an opportunity each and every Sunday to say, yes, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna start following him. So right now, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you've never said yes to following him, what I want you to do is just put your hand up and say yes to him today. You just put your hand up. I'll see your hand. You can put it down. And you're not putting your hand up to me. You're putting your hand up to God and saying, that's me today. Good on your sweetheart. You can put your hand down. Who else? We had, we, we had some, one of our high schoolers make the decision to follow Jesus on Friday night. We've already had one person put their hand up this morning. Who else? Don't miss this opportunity if that's you and you're ready to say yes to following Jesus. Okay, I love that. You know that God says that all of heaven throws a party when even just one, He likes more, but even just one person makes a decision to follow Jesus. and, and I remember years ago when I read that and I learned that, and the guy that was teaching it said it kind of goes like this. I don't know if it does, who knows? We'll find out one day. But 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 God's looking down right now here on 61 Alexander Road, Rivervale. He's peering through, he's got X-ray vision, peering through the, the roof. And he's just seen someone uh, say yes to following Jesus. But what he was doing when I was giving you that opportunity is he was saying, oh hey angels, angels, come, 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 come. come, come. Come on, come on, it's, it's 10.50 again at Elevate Church. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Che- look, have a look, have a look, have a look, have a look, look. Not too close, have a look, have a look, have a look. And then and then, and then and then one person puts their hand up and they're like, man, woohoo! High fives, they're jamming in heaven. Well, guess what? That just happened here this morning. So let's pray. And how we're gonna do it is because I'm the professional prayer. I'm gonna pray a line. It's gonna be incredible. And I want you to say, all of us to say that line back Echoing my profundity in prayer. But it's, but it's actually more for that person that put their hand up. But we're gonna pray with you because uh, we're good like that. We're on the journey together. So let's all repeat this prayer after me. And by the way, this is a prayer of new birth, not a funeral. Don't pray like you're at a funeral. Dear Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. This, morning, this morning that one person, said yes to following you. Thanks for throwing a party for them. And let's make this super specific, I'm saying, repeat this, super specific for that person. Today, I decide to follow you. Jesus, I thank you for giving me a fresh start, for wiping my sins clean, for having a vision for my life, and I commit from this day forward to follow You. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One more big shout out to them, fantastic.